This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're going to talk some money and politics with John McIntyre, President and CEO of Real Clear Politics and Real Clear Media, and Steve Moore, Freedom Works and Committee to Unleash Prosperity Hotline, and WABC radio host of More Money, which follows this show on many of these very same stations. Gentlemen, welcome. Uh, I want to talk about Mike Johnson, Michael Johnson of Louisiana, who was the new Republican Speaker of the House, a very smart guy, a very conservative guy, certainly an oil guy. He wants to cut spending. Oh, my gosh. He's a tax cutter. I mean, he's a real conservative. Uh, I'll begin with you, John McIntyre. What do you think of this story, Michael Johnson? Very interesting. Yeah, I think it is very interesting, Larry. And I think, you know, there was a lot of hyperventilating over the last two or three weeks about the, you know, chaos, you know, chaos and the Republicans can't get their act together and, and that it was going to, you know, be a real problem for them next year. And I think, look, I think when you get out to, with regular folks in regular America, and you know, it, the more the medium and long term, and the actual policies are what they're concerned about. And I think, I think it could have been a mess depending on how they went. But I think the fact that they that that they got somebody in here with with Johnson that is really aligned with where Republican voters are today. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's really important. And I think the fact that, I mean, it, he, he, you know, the, he, he he hasn't uh, you know, I, I think people in the conference think of him as a nice guy. He hasn't made a lot of enemies, which which look, you know, at the end of the day, like that, that's kind of what what did, um, you know, former Speaker McCarthy in. Um, and so I think I think he's in a position now um, to to do well for the Republicans in the House. Now, again, it's going to be, you know, how they follow up and what they do. Uh, but 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 I think, you know, there's a kind of a difference between the Senate leadership and the House leadership. And I think I think over on the House side, you have leadership there that is more in line with where Republican voters are today. And I think that's that's a political plus moving into next year. Well, I mean, <clears throat> Steve Moore, he's a Trumper. That's very important. In fact, he was an attorney defending Trump on uh, impeachment charges. He's a constitutional lawyer, which is very interesting. He's a smart guy. He also has a good sense of humor. Uh, I had Senator Kennedy on, John Kennedy, who said that uh, Johnson does great imitations of people, so I'm dying to hear that. Steve Moore, do you know him? I I don't really know him. I've met him, but I don't really know him. Have you met him? You know him? You know, I've met him once or twice. I wouldn't say I know him very well, but, you know, I think he's a miracle worker. He has turned water into wine. He has parted the Red Seas. He's got to 217 <laughs> votes. Doesn't he <laughs> right. could do. So uh, it's pretty amazing given where we were a week ago. And I have to say, I mean, conservatives who, like me, who really didn't know much about him, are kind of falling in love with this guy. I mean, he's done everything right in the first four days. His speech uh, when mm. he took the gavel was really amazing, and I love the way he reached out to the Democrats and said, you know, let's try to work together, and even they, you know, didn't smirk too much at that. Uh, he what in adding to the things that you just said about Larry, uh, about him, Larry, that I love, he was one of the first people 
who wrote a letter to the Department of Education and to the teachers union saying, open up the damn schools. Mm -hmm. He he was one of the first people on that. And, of course, we now know that this was child abuse, that we left our schools uh, shut down for month after month after month. He has good instincts. That's my Mm -hmm. point. And and so uh, I think, you know, he may have stumbled on the right choice. It was like, you know, when the British, uh, you know, chose, uh, you know, finally settled on Queen Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, so I think that one, here's one thing that's coming up. So Biden is going to ask for about $150 billion and growing no way. in foreign aid and so-called emergency yeah. aid, which is yeah. just a lot of crap. But right. uh, Speaker Johnson has already said, if you want to spend more money, this is a generic comment he made, uh-huh. you want to spend more money, then you've got to pay for it with spending Yay. cuts elsewhere. Yay. All right. Yay. So, right. So that's I know. It, I know that titulates you. We said you. that in the hotline the day he was, you know, he was nominated and, and uh, you know, uh, got the votes. Uh, you know, we any new spending bills. This is, you know, it's look, you can't cut one or two percent of the budget to pay for this stuff. I mean, it's, mm. it's totally absurd. And this is a, an important thing. The other thing I want to be, see connected to this, if we are going to give all this aid out and I'm against it, but if we do. I also feel very strongly should come come from a commitment to from Joe Biden that at least temporarily he's going to end his war on American energy. Mm-hmm. And a a Louisiana congressman would echo that, would he not? You would think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I I like that. You know, John McIntyre, the guy's from the oil patch. Okay, let's yep. face it. I mean, it's Louisiana's. I don't know what else they do down there. I'm sure they do some things, but I'm just saying, uh, you got yourself an oil patch speaker. You got yourself. Correct me if I'm wrong, John. Is this the first Southern speaker we've had in God knows how many years? Hundred well, years? Gingrich. Or something? Well, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you, I mean, you did have Gingrich in there, and then I mean, yeah. You actually had, I don't know if you remember this name, you know, Bob Livingston for, for about three weeks. So hopefully, oh, hopefully, right. my, hopefully Mike right. Johnson makes it longer than that. But, uh, uh, but I, I, I think he will know it a little bit about his background there on that. Um, and I, but and I, I think I, your I, point, John, he is closer to the center of gravity in the GOP, which is really, a, let's face it, it's a Trump center of gravity. And he was a very strong Trump supporter. And I think that weighed on this speakership. Uh, some of the other candidates were not strong. I mean, Emmer was basically almost an anti-Trumper. But That's just right. saying, uh, I think culturally and fiscally and in terms of oil uh, production, uh, fossil fuels, he, he, is, he kind of checks off all the boxes, doesn't he, John? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, look, it's also on the, on the foreign policy side where – to the point of spending cuts, like I, I, I think that's aligned with where the voters are saying, "Hey, if we're gonna, we're gonna spend this money, you know, like, you know, the, the money's coming from somewhere. Like, like we, so we got to spend less somewhere else. What are we giving up?" So he's making the point: we got to bifurcate. We're not gonna just smash the, the the Ukraine package with the Israeli package. We're gonna bifurcate that, and then people are gonna ask themselves, you know. Like there's a real disagreement between the kind of Senate leadership and the House leadership on just how much 
the American taxpayer wants to send tens of billions month after month to Ukraine without a long-term strategy or goal. And I think I think Johnson's sort of viewpoint and policy on that it is way more aligned with Trump. And, and most importantly, it's way more aligned where Republican voters and all American voters are. And um, and I think that's that's a real, you know, asset look moving into the next year, because the more unified a party is and from from their nominee down through their leadership, the, the, the more excited voters can get behind getting behind them and supporting them. I mean, Steve Moore, you know, another 60 billion dollars to Ukraine. I, I, I mean, the reason that that should be broken out because we need a discussion about Ukraine. Where's the mm-hmm. exit strategy? Where's the diplom- diplomatic strategy? Where are we going on this and for how long? All right. I, I don't look. I'm obviously opposed Vladimir Putin. You, you just can't march in and take over countries. You have to respect boundaries. You have to respect international law. I get that. But do you have to put $100 billion in every year? That's got to be a big question. And I think uh, McIntyre, I think John's right. I mean, I don't think the country wants unlimited money to Ukraine. Well, we, you know, there's a question about whether we can afford to continue to be, uh, you know, the world's policeman. And, and uh, I look, I'm turning more and more non-interventionist in my own thinking. And look, I was a Reagan cold warrior. You know, mm. we had this in the Soviet Union. But mm-hmm. I think the American people are exhausted, you know, with, with the, you know, after what happened in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, uh, and also there's a real skepticism that I share with a lot of people that how much of this money is actually getting to the people in Ukraine? And That's right. China, you know, so there's a lot of so much corruption in foreign aid right now. Uh, you know, I, I was at the David Horowitz conference this weekend. I'm actually in Louisiana and New Orleans. And I asked the crowd when I gave my speech, how many of you support Ukraine funding and only one out of three people mm. out of the 200 people there raised their hands. So there's a lot of skepticism about whether U.S. foreign aid money is having an impact. And people are just look. people are nervous about what's happening in Washington. They think we've got an incredibly fragile economy, and I tend to agree with them. So I, I think a lot of people is let's take care of our own economy first and foremost. All right. Take a break. John McIntyre, president and CEO of Real Clear Politics and Real Clear Media. And Steve Moore of FreedomWorks and Committee to Unleash Prosperity. And don't forget uh, Steve's WABC radio host of More Money following uh, this show on many of these stations. I'm Kudlow. We'll be back with some more. Larry Kudlow. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking money and politics with John McIntyre president and CEO of Real Clear Politics and Real Clear Media, and Steve Moore of FreedomWorks and Committee to Unleash Prosperity and WABC radio host of More Money. Uh, John McIntyre, I'm looking at Real Clear Politics betting averages, Trump 34, Biden 31, and then I'm looking at the primaries, Trump 71, DeSantis 9, Haley 8, Ramaswamy 4, um, Trump can be president, John McIntyre. <laughs> well, uh, it, it, you know, look if you were a, if you were a betting person, um, he's he's the favorite right now, and that's yep. what the betting odds so. Yep. And uh, you know, I I think what's what's interesting there, and what you read off, and it's kind of disconnected 
from the from the sort of you know political media coverage you see it's like i mean the reality is joe biden is way less likely to be the democratic nominee than donald trump yeah, the republican I nominee i mean Ooh. that that that's i mean that you know i i think any astute observer of the situation uh, you know in politics would say that they, and these betting markets say that, okay? I mean, you know, they have Trump at, you know, 71% and Biden just over, you know, 60%. Mm. And um, and I think, yeah, look, I, I think the Republican nomination now is just in a very different place than it was at the beginning of the year. And, and you can also see that, and it's interesting going back looking at the betting odds, because at the beginning of the year, DeSantis was actually the leader as the favorite to be president, okay, with 30-some percent. But, you know, somewhere around February, March, that the race really started to change. And, you know, and here we are looking at the beginning of November. And the reality, you know, Trump is almost like like an incumbent president in a nomination kind of context. I mean, when you're up 40 or 50 points, he's not participating in debates, which is what incumbent presidents do. Joe Biden's not participating in debates. Um you know, I think as, as few, you know, as, as long as two, you know, two months ago, I think the thinking was that he would probably participate, you know, in the third, fourth or fifth debate. But I think I think now, based on where things are, I think that's an open question where whether he'll participate in any of these primary debates, because, you know, pretty soon, you know, you're going to have this one next week. Then you roll into Thanksgiving then you got the kind of holidays coming up and then people vote in two weeks. Hmm. And um, hmm. so. You know, I, I, I think the takeaway there is it's, it, it, it's more likely that, that Joe Biden is not the Democratic nominee than Donald Trump is not the Republican nominee. Steve Moore, you're in that camp that Biden won't be the nominee. Yeah, I want to ask you, yeah. uh, I mean, look, you may well be right. I, what yeah. do I know? But I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> this guy, Dean Phillips from Minnesota, he's a big Minnesota liberal, throwing yeah. his hat into the ring. Now, it's interesting to me, um, he will run in New Hampshire. Biden is not going to run in New Hampshire. Now, mm-hmm. I think that's a very interesting uh, development yeah. because yeah. there'll be news stories, you know, Philip wins primary in New Hampshire, and that will undoubtedly give Gavin Newsom and some others uh, some orgasmic feelings about this. I mean, th- you know, think of, I mean, I don't know much about Dean Phillips. I don't follow any of that stuff. He's just another Minnesota lefty, as far as I know. But the question is, do you know anything about him? And the second question is, Biden, not on the ballot in New Hampshire, Phillips will be. So go back to 1968, if you will, when yeah. Lyndon Johnson was president. Yeah. Uh, and you may recall that, um, was it McCarthy? Who was it that um, almost upset him? McCarthy. Yeah, McCarthy. Uh, and all of a sudden, it was a free-for-all. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And and the, yep. uh, a few weeks after that was when John, Lyndon Johnson made the shocking announcement that he would not run for re-election. Uh, and then, you know, you had everybody getting in at that point. And, look, this, this guy who's running from Minnesota, he's not going to be the Democratic nominee, okay? He's not. But uh, I think that the Democrats are now looking at three choices, one of them, obviously, is Gavin Newsom, who I love the column by Holman Jenkins today. He said, you know, he went to uh, to China to, for some photo ops with President <laughs> Xi, and he said he showed some leg, you know. <laughs> that's, that's classic, classic uh, you know, Gavin Newsom. He's, yeah. The guy's an empty suit, but he's good-looking, and he wants photo ops. Um, 
And I'm sure all they talked about in the meeting was climate change, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then you've got, um, and then you've got uh, Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan, who worries me because mm-hmm. she's from Michigan. Republicans have to win Michigan. She won a pretty big uh, re-election uh, last fall. Uh, and then Amy Klobuchar, and I would say those three. And then you've got the Kamala problem. Right? Yeah. How do they get Kamala out of the picture? Because as Holman said today, she's the only politician in America less popular right now than Joe Biden. And so uh, it's a big mess on the Democratic side. On the Republican side, it, it just, you know, if I were advising um, uh, uh, Governor DeSantis, and I, I'm a friend of Governor DeSantis. I think he's been a spectacular governor. He should get out of this race. He really yeah. should, because yeah. he has a bright future. He could run again in 2028, but it ain't happening for him, right? It just isn't happening. And uh, I think it, the more he goes on, that kind of the weaker he looks. One other quick point, two other quick points, if I may. Number one, um, last night at this dinner I was talking about, the dinner speaker was uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, do you know her, mm-hmm. Larry? She was, she and got just a standing ovation. She was sensational. <laughs> she was sensational. She spent the whole speech talking about how the Democratic Party left her, and they don't believe in civil rights. They don't believe in the Constitution. It was a it was a spectacular speech. I'd love Donald Trump to maybe think about her as a vice presidential nominee. And the other thing I wanted to say yeah. is that the one of the big gala dinners uh, this week uh, by the Daily Wire. One of the speakers was RFK Jr. Now, I know you're not sold on him too much, but he got a standing ovation, too, because he talked about civil liberties. Mm. He talked about the Democratic Party. And he said, I learned from my uncle. You'll love this, Larry. He said, I learned from my uncle the value of cutting tax rates. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Look, I asked him when when Bob Kennedy Jr. spoke at our uh, committee to unleash dinner. I asked him about that, obviously. I wrote a book on the subject, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he, he's, I asked him, he said, yeah, he just said yes. He, yeah. he didn't go into any detail, and Laffer <laughs> didn't let him talk about it. But he just <laughs> said, true. yes, I, I, I would renew the Trump tax cut or something. I don't remember. Sort of give lip service to tax cuts. John McIntyre, what is Robert F. Kennedy Jr., uh, what's his future in this race? Oh well, look. I I think he's I think he has potential impact. I mean, there's two open questions there. Like the ballot access is very hard in this country, so you know I think there's a real question of where he's able to get uh, ballot access. But to the point of Steve's point at that Daily Caller dinner, um, if he does get ballot access, I, I firmly believe he's a taker of votes from Donald Trump. Wow. Um, because. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, he's really representing that Tulsi Gabbard. He's representing disaffected Democrats who they're, they're, his, they're historic Democrats who see that their party have left them. These are people yeah. that, that are not going to vote for the modern day Democratic Party. And given, a, given just a binary choice between Trump and Biden, I think these people are, 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 are more than 50 percent Trump voters, okay? But mm-hmm. if they got a choice of voting for RFK Jr. Um, or Trump or Biden, they may very well go in and pull, pull the lever for RFK Jr., even though they know that he isn't going to win anything. So um, I, I, think he's, I think that is something definitely to keep an eye on. Um, but, look, we're going to have, more, you know, uh, uh, Cornell West, might be there. He's got the same ballot questions. It was a big deal that the Democrats were able to sort of pressure him to get off the Green Party line uh, because ballot access is, is critical. It's like whether you show up on the ballots or not. And then you got this no labels thing going on, too, that that may be an interesting component. So 
this could be a very this has a, a lot more vibes <laughs> of the 2016 race than the 2020 yeah. race because in the 2016 race you had a four party race there with uh, Gary Johnson and the Green Party candidate. So you may actually have a five-party, five-candidate race this time with uh, West, you know, uh, Kennedy and a no-labels candidate. So so let me help you on this. Who won in 2016? <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I think that's... I think Who that's, won uh, in 2016? I'm looking at Monica thing. Crowley's piece... Monica was on the TV show last night. The world needs President Trump now more than ever. There you have it. That's all you need to know. Steve Moore, <laughs> fabulous stuff. John McIntyre, thank you ever so much for coming on the show. Folks, I'm Kudlow. We will be back next weekend. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.